Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A southern storm of bold, liberating rock shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. As always, we're very grateful for the participation on the Facebook page downloads with me uh is jason johannes how are you doing jason i'm doing well brian what's up with you man not much not much uh i know one thing that we gotta you know talk about before we get to our guest is you know today is the 43rd anniversary of the leonard skinner plane crash and i know that uh obviously it has a huge effect on a lot of people you know i'm seeing it all over all the pages of bands you know that i'm on from down south um it's just so sad because you think of what those guys could have done and granted there's still you know this version of skinner going but you know they just gotten steve gaines in the band and then losing an icon like ronnie van zant um you know i was checking back i got a skinner uh book here that i've had for a while autobiography and i was re, you know referring back to that so but it's just seems you know it's like gives a guy like a really heavy hearted kind of feeling and you know just wanting to like think about that and be a tribute to those guys and you know what's your thoughts on that yeah i mean a hell of a thing right it's pretty sad those, those guys are one of the godfather bands to the southern rock sound along with the allman brothers bands and, and a couple other ones and have at that peak of their career have a tragic event like that happen it's just i you know God bless them for being able to carry on later on down the road and come back at it and get going again, because that, that should all intents and purposes, like be the end of, of pretty much any band. For sure. For sure. So we, uh, it's also, you know, a special day with that, you know, for, you know, who we got to talk to today and we're over the moon about our guest. And as much as I've teased it on the page, it, it you tell the, Listeners, who we got to talk to today? Oh, I get to say it, man. Very kind. Yep. So today we're listening or talking to the one and only Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, a young dude who's had his fourth album just came out. Has had a pretty long career. Played with a lot or open for a lot of great, great uh, bands. His own band has rock royalty in it. His life has other rock in it. So it, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic conversation. Brian, what do you think? Oh, for sure. You know, it, uh, we, uh, got to learn some pretty cool things, you know, beyond what our questions were. And, uh, he was just so gracious to ex- expand on that and talking about, uh, you know, his, he's married to Rebecca from Larkin Poe and, and how that plays into his, his, you know, influence of his music. And well, she even about- sang on two of the songs on the album too, right? Right, right on. Yeah. Right. And, uh, it's so interesting to hear him talk about Charlie Starr and, and how much, you know, those guys have influenced them, you know, having to shake down, open up for those guys. So it was just, you know, I'm just still, I'm just giddy. I just can't believe we got to talk to him. And uh, I think everybody's really, really going to enjoy this episode. Oh, absolutely. A real nice, uh, kind guy, too, just to talk to, like, really kind of down the earth. So we've been very fortunate with everybody that we've spoken to so far too, how open they are, how kind of nice and down the earth they are to speak with. Um, I will say if you haven't got the new album yet, pressure by Tyler Bryant and the, and the shakedown, go out and get it, download it. Um, 
get the album, whatever you got to do, get the vinyl, because it is a really, really good hard rock with Southern rock and blue influence to it, and a different, really different than their last three albums, wouldn't you say? For sure, yeah. I mean, as usual, like almost anything I listen to, it's got to grow on me, you know, like I was, you know, for example, like I was... I was late to the party on Blackberry Smoke, you know, like I, I think I started getting to them like late 2017, early 2018 and oh, other okay. bands, other bands that, have, you know, that, uh, you know, Them Dirty Roses is another band where like I just didn't get it right away. And it, it, at some point it just sort of clicks. And uh, I've had, you know, the previous two albums, you know, from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. And I've, I've you know, I've liked some of it, you know, and then last it would have been last late thursday night where they were releasing the lyric videos for you know the songs on this record and in that situation i was just like listening to little samples and it wasn't grabbing me right away and last night was the first night i listened to it all the way through and i'm like this is like really a fantastic record like, oh really. it is and on youtube they do still have those lyric videos up too so you can hear everything on the new album but you know i think if you listen to that, you're going to love it enough that you need to go out and get yourself a copy one way, shape or form. Their website still has some really good swag on there. some t-shirts, vinyl, CDs, whatever you got too. So check out the band. I think you're going to really like them and, and go out and get some of their stuff because we need to support these bands right now. They can't get out and really tour. So if we want to keep them around, we like them. We got to, we got to get their stuff. You know, I got to mention, you know, uh, um, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown fan, Jessica Isom, who is, uh, and I hope I pronounced her last name right, but she's the administrator on the Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown fan page, and she was very kind to allow me to, to you know, put this, put uh, tease like this episode coming up, and we'll be put, putting the episode up, you know, when it's done editing, and I, I just really, really wanted to give a shout out to Jessica and thank her for being so kind to allow us to do that. So Thank you, Jessica. So having said that, I think uh, you guys have had enough of us uh, talking and you're all ready to hear Tyler from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. So sit back and enjoy listening to Tyler Bryant. Our guest for the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast is someone uh, that we're just over the moon to talk to, and we're just super thrilled. Jason, why don't you tell everybody who our guest is today? We have the one and only Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant in the Shakedown. We are very honored to have him with us today as they're at a great point in their career with a, a new album coming out. How are you doing today, Tyler? Man, I'm doing great. We're just kind of we're kind of buzzing off the you know the release of pressure and you know everyone's we did we did an album release show which was which was our only show of the year. Um, physically, it was to to none other than just a couple of our friends, but you know it went out to shakedown fans all over the world and there was a, a really cool chat and we got to kind of it it was. I think the next next best thing to playing a live show. So I'm still kind of riding the high from that because we had people from all over the world tuning in. Well, I saw that show myself, and I, I was you know blown away. 
explode. You guys are a great live band, man. Like, I think it probably it was great when you guys live streamed, but probably nothing close to what seeing you live. But again, you guys were just a lot of great energy, even coming through the live stream. Yeah, it was it was fun to try and like channel that, you know, into the cameras. You know, we just we treated it like like any other shakedown show and just went for it. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean. It's not the same as when you're standing in front of a band and you can feel the kick drum in your chest and the guitars are like deafeningly loud. And, you know, that's kind of how the shakedown operates. But I was just glad to connect with our fans because it's something that I've been really missing. Well, let's get right into this record because that's what we're here to do. Um, Is this one like uniquely special under the circumstances for which it was recorded in a you know, made in during the pandemic? Is there a little more of a triumphant feeling because of that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's, it, there's a triumphant fin- feeling anytime you finish anything, you know? Um, but I think with every record, it's whenever you start something, you can't really see the end. So you're constantly going, well, well you're constantly going, what's going to happen? Are we going to pull this off? And I think this record that all those feelings were amplified because there were so many obstacles in the way of creating it you know we had we recorded the whole record in my home studio um and i i whenever we first started i didn't know how it was going to go i didn't know how it was going to shake out how it was going to sound and i think i just i kept my expectations pretty low and um i don't think there was any really any real reason for me to do that because it this has turned out to be my favorite shakedown record that we've ever made you know and it just goes to show that the intention um sometimes speaks louder than the sonics it speaks louder than what studio you recorded in um you know and we and we just we put everything we had into it and i think that that shows speaking of the sonics like what what was different you know recording in your basement compared to previous records being in studios how did that all turn out well i mean our our last record truth and lies was recorded on a neve console at studio g in brooklyn and i mean that con- that console is like the holy grail of consoles, you know. That's what all our favorite records were recorded on, and it was mixed through a huge SSL console. So you're talking just the most expensive recording gear ever. And uh, this record was was recorded on my laptop, you know. <laughs> but it's but it was the you know we we have a we have a ton of great gear and and uh, we just we just threw the rules out, you know. We were like, you know what, let's. It's all about us. It doesn't matter if we're recording it to tape or if we're recording it digitally. It's it's all about what we're putting into it. Because you can set a microphone up and it can be the best microphone in the world, but if you don't have something in, something sick to put into the microphone, what's the point of what's the point of it? You know? Yep. And that's sort of the mentality we adopted with this record. So your passion it goes through no matter what you're where you're recording and what you're recording on. Totally. Well, I mean, it's, you know, everybody kind of had to uh, to think think quickly on their feet whenever this pandemic hit. And when the lockdown hit, we were like, what do we do? All of our tour dates got canceled. So we thought, let's get together and jam. And, and then the, the record label hit us up about making an EP. Um, and we just decided to keep going. And because so, we, we started having fun. We were originally going to do four songs and it turned to six and it turned to 10 and then, you know, when we finished the record, we finished the 13th song, and Roger, Alan Nichols, who co-produced the album, was seriously trying to talk to me about just keep, to, like, continuing and making a double album. 
That would be badass, man. You don't see a lot of a lot of double albums these days, but it sounds like just through really through the unity you have with your band and everything, kind of the flow that you guys have, you guys can just really spit out songs at this point. Yeah, well, we I mean we we always write music, you know. Caleb Caleb was over here writing yesterday. We were recording a new jam, and he's coming over today. And that's I mean that's kind of what we do. It's I feel like now that pressure's out, we can start getting creative again. <laughs> again, you, that's like a continuation of creativity. So the I didn't know there was, off a, I didn't know there was a pause. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, you know we're always just making stuff. So it's uh, it's one of those. It's just something we enjoy doing. You know, it's not like it's not work. I try to I try to finish up all my work so I can go down to my studio and and just be happy in that place. It's my favorite thing to do. Was uh, this one any different because you guys, you know, Noah left the band and you guys played all the bass. Was that any specific challenge or extra work for that? Uh, I wouldn't say it was it wasn't much of a challenge in the bass department. You know, Caleb and Graham and I just tracked the guitars and the drums pretty much live. And then I, I played the bass, which I, I enjoy playing the bass. I normally play the bass on all of our demos. So I'm used to. I'm used to playing bass with Caleb, um, and so that the bass wasn't much of a an obstacle, you know. I I, I snagged a, snagged a cool bass from Fender, and then one of Noah's old basses was at the house. So it's like if if I started to miss that sound, I could grab Noah's bass and think like, what would what would he do? And and that that was kind of cool. Um, the the where I really miss Noah was on the uh, background vocals because Noah is like incredible bass player but also an incredible singer and so i really started missing those high harmonies and that's why it was like on a song like crazy days or a song like holding my breath i was going man we need we need these high harmonies and so i asked myself who are who are some of the best singers i know and one of them is my wife rebecca um and who's in a band called larkin poe so she sang on crazy days and that was sick it made it just elevated the song and then charlie star from blackberry smoke yeah um, yeah he he joined in on holding my breath and it was like cool we can just uh kind of lean into our friends and and make up the difference almost those are my two favorite songs off your new albums the ones that you mentioned those are fantastic hey going back on the bass stuff so how does your guitar playing influence um your bass playing on the album does it influence it um well i see the thing i always liked about noah's playing is he didn't he played the bass he played the bass more like a drummer than he did a bass player. Um, okay. So he was he was never a really flashy bass player. I don't like it. I don't like it when the bass gets super flashy. Like if if I could design a bass, it would have two strings and it would be the top two strings. Um, I just don't like it when there's a lot of high notes on the bass yeah. because we just went all the low end, right? Yeah, Graham and I are doing so much of that. So I like I like bass that is just driving and holding down the low end. Um, so I I tried to keep the bass parts doing that. Um, just really simple with Caleb. Um, and then and then another thing we experimented with a lot um, sort of in the low-end department was doubling the bass with a Moog synthesizer on some of the songs. Wow. And, but, and then we would run it through like fuzz pedals and amps and get these really like scary sounds that really you don't even hear when, when you're listening to the song. But if I were to mute it in the mix, you would go, something's different, something's not right. So that was kind of cool to just kind of experiment with that a little bit. 
Speaking of having uh, your wife sing on the record and have Charlie sing on the record, uh, being in a marriage with her, does that influence, you know, your, your writing playing now at all? Does that come into the record? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it, it probably inspires me in ways that I don't even realize, you know. Um, we're constantly listening to music together. There's, our household is, is a very musical household. There's, there's always something playing. Um, I can think of one example where I was influenced by her. I, I walked outside one day, and she was sitting on the front porch playing a Junior Kimbrough song. And I thought, wow, that riff is, that riff is so sick. And it's it's bluesy and it sounds badass, but it also sounds very positive and happy. And I thought I want something like that, so I went inside and wrote Coastin. You know, it's like that sort of thing where um, there's just there's always something planned. Um, her and her band, or her and her sister, are always learning songs, singing songs, writing music, recording music, and you know, I think you kind of are what you eat. If you're mm-hmm. listening to a lot of music, then you then you might make make a little bit more music. Speaking of Charlie, uh, you guys have opened a lot of shows for those guys, and you know, are you guys like you know brother brands? And you know, how how did it come about to have Charlie sing on the record? Yeah, I mean, Charlie's just one of my one of my favorite artists. I think that Charlie is just such an incredible songwriter, one of the best singers that I know. Um, incredible guitar player, even if he does have poor taste in guitar. No, I'm kidding. Char- <laughs> is it the Gibson Fender? Are you guys fighting here? Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Charlie and I have this online feud, if you will. It's it's all in good fun, but uh, you know, he he's just he's been a good friend to me, and and is someone that I really uh, look up to and respect. And I when I text him and asked him if he would sing on "Holding My Breath," he he said he he would, and uh, I can't. I was very very excited about that, and then he wrote me and said, "I will do it if you publicly denounce Fender Stratocasters online." <laughs> So, so I had to go. I went online and did a post. It was like these guitars are are junk. You know, nobody get one. And I guess I can go delete it now that he that he sang on the record. Doesn't the record's he out. do some Telecasters? Plays with some Telecasters yeah. though. No, it's it's all it's all just gar. I mean, I have I yeah, <laughs> I've got Gibsons in my house. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a fun little joke. Can you put in a word for us with Rebecca and Charlie for you? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta pitch ourselves. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> um, speaking of Graham, for anybody of you who doesn't know who his dad is, you let us know. And 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 have you talked? You know, what have you learned from those guys that you'll tell us who they are about being a band and touring? Um. Well, you know, Graham. Graham. It's no secret that Graham's dad plays in Aerosmith. Um, but I think that that's one of the things that whenever Graham joined the band, I thought. You know, this guy's going to come with some some pretty weird baggage because he was raised on the road with Aerosmith. And I thought that there was no way Graham was going to want to hop in a van and pretty much live in a van and crappy motel rooms. And and that was exactly what Graham wanted to do. You know, I think he was very aware from the start. My dad did that with his band. Now I have to do something with my band. So he's always very hesitant to um, ask for help from his dad. He's it's one of those things that Brad's never, I think I can think of one time where, you know, Brad's come around and been like, Hey, what if you guys did that? Cause I think, and that was on our very first record. And it was like, what if the background vocal did that? That would be cool. Okay, cool. I got to go. And then he like rides off on his motorcycle or something. <laughs> um, uh, I think it, Graham's definitely um, just tried to make it his thing. 
you know, I can only imagine, you know, my dad, my dad works in a, in a factory. I can only imagine if, you know, my dad was a rock star like that because it, I think it does, that's, that, that's, it, it has the ability to like overshadow what you're doing. And, and Graham is just an incredible guitarist and songwriter and, you know, just adds so much to the band on his own. Does it really help having him be one of your guitar players and and you be kind of the lead person this this band's named after you with kind of no pressure for him? It kind of helps him out, probably manage that stress. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I've never even really thought about that. I think we just, we think of it as a team. You know, whenever I started this band, it was the Tyler Bryant band. And then I realized, oh, wait a second, like Caleb and Graham are adding so much. And that's when we that's when we named it Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, and and we decided like, oh, this is going to be a team. You know, we don't do a song unless we all agree that it's something that we want to do. You know, and uh, that's just kind of, that's kind of how it works. But I can't I can't imagine this band without Graham. He he plays. Uh, he's got so much attitude, and we could play the same part, um, and he plays it completely different. You know, because he's got his own style and his own yep. feel. You know, he he plays guitar like. Like he doesn't care about anything, and that's it adds this sort of um, perfectly reckless quality to the music. Yeah, you guys complement each other really well too. And you know, there have been a lot of great guitar duos for a lot of years: Black Crows, Almond um, Brothers Band. You know, you can name a lot. So I think you guys really have the opportunity of, of really getting be known in that that stratosphere for sure, because you guys really do complement each other extremely well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, we were wondering about the documentary bits, you know, in the, the, the release, record release event. How did that come about? Did that, was that planned or, and how do you think that played into it? Yeah, that wasn't really planned out. You know, we were just kind of, um, we were just filming, filming stuff in the studio as it happened. Cause you know, I, I, I kind of, I'm always turning cameras on because I, I want to remember these times when we're old and it's not a. Not every day you get to make a record during the middle of a pandemic, um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to be able to look back on them in on the footage in in years and laugh about the way that we did stuff and and uh, and just remember how it happened for future projects and because there was there were a lot of little tricks that we stumbled on on like whoa if we put a microphone in the shower in here then it sounds really cool like weird stuff like that and then once we did the live show I thought oh, people might enjoy seeing some of some of this footage to to realize where the record was recorded and how unglamorous it actually was. And you were very open in a moment or you show it where you guys discussed a uh, moment of tension between you and Caleb. Ultimately, does that tension, you know, turn around and be a blessing in disguise to add to the creativity? Yeah, well, I mean, it, ironically, we were we were recording a song called Fuel, and I think that our little uh, our little brotherly fight totally added fuel to the recording process you know it's a little a little aggression when you're rocking out is is uh sometimes sometimes a good thing you know but we're we're brothers you know we caleb and i've been playing together for almost 11 years so occasionally something will something will happen and and uh, the pot will start boiling over the top and then we just we talk it out and hug it out and keep rocking i think you brought up a good point too about the recording process that it is really 
not necessarily a glamorous process, particularly these days. Like it's not like the, the days of the debauchery of the seventies or eighties. You kind of go in, you get your stuff done. You're trying to maximize your time in the studio and keep the cost down too. So, you know, that's yeah. a very interesting point. If nobody's ever recorded or seen that process, it is not glamorous at all. Yeah. Well, there's just, you know, and, and we weren't really, we weren't feeling the pressure of being in a studio and spending a ton of money because we were recording at my house. But there is, for me, I just get, I get obsessed uh, probably to an unhealthy level at times with with the process and, and what needs to be done. And so this, this record was recorded in 20 days and it was, you know, full on the whole time. Yeah. When you get obsessed like that, who reels you back? Um, you know, I feel like my I get grounded by my wife, but the, you know, that's I'm I'm in it until it's done. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like double album. I was like, not right now, buddy. <laughs> when you started out, Tyler, you were I, you know, if I have this correct, you were kind of billed as a blues player, and you guys are such a hard rock and driving band. But uh, you know, did, was that something that just kind of came about that influence coming back up in songs like Hitchhiker and Misery and Coastin or if you would go, hey, we gotta have a blues song or does those just appear and you're playing? Uh it just appears, you know, that comes very natural to me. It's sort of like whenever I'm playing that style of music, it's like going home, you know what I mean? Um so we we definitely don't shy away from our influences. You know, there's a lot of different flavors on the album, and uh, blues is one of my main influences, so it pokes its head in there every now and then. Who are some of your influences playing guitar, both when you're when you're starting out and maybe right now? Um, Jeff Beck is, is my favorite guitarist. Nice. John is a huge influence of mine. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Muddy Waters, B.B. King, Freddie King, Albert King. Lightning Hopkins, uh, Junior Kimbrough, R.L. Burnside. Right on. So Mike Campbell, Keith Richards. Right on. There's, you know, all, pretty much all of them. <laughs> Does that influ- who influences your slide technique too? Because you do play a lot of slide. Uh, Johnny Winter, Derek Trucks, Dwayne Allman, Muddy Waters. This guy named Bob Mark Golan, um, who played in Muddy Waters band for a while. There's a ton. Steady rolling, Bob Mark Golan. Yep. How about amongst your contemporaries, like your 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 peers, guys that have been around about at the same time as you, especially down in the southeast, because that's the whole emphasis of this podcast is to really emphasize, you know, I don't know if it's a revival that's going on with these younger, you know, bands from the south, you know, playing that southern rock and roll. Uh, who amongst your peers, like, like, do you really respect, who, you know? Um, I really, I really respect the guys from Blackberry Smoke. Um, I really respect... Larkin Poe, I respect the Rival Sons. Oh, yeah, um, good band. You know, yeah, Rival Sons are killer. There's, let me think, there's so many. I, I think the guys from Blackstone Cherry are really talented. Um, Clutch is one of my all-time favorite oh, bands. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Clutch, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I love Clutch. Um, I used to see those guys when I was in college. Close yeah. to the Ohio State campus, man. Always a good show. Always a, you're fighting your way out of there sometimes. Yeah, I know. I, I love Clutch. We we had the privilege of touring with them, and they're just they're incredible. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, man. And speaking of uh, Nashville, although it didn't work out for those guys, like you know, one band that's I'm referring to is Bishop Gunn, and also you know them Dirty Roses. You you ever cross paths with with those guys in the past or moving forward or? 
No, I feel like I've crossed paths with them Dirty Roses. I know Drew, who played guitar in Bishop Gunn, and he's he's an insane guitar player. I never I never uh, learned much about Bishop Gunn. I think by the time I started to to try and like learn about learn what they were about, they were done. So, but uh, you know, Drew is an incredible guitarist, and I hope he finds a new project to shine. You know. So do you, you know, although like you're a hard rock and driving band you consider yourself, you know, part of this kind of revival of what, you know, we're going to call Southern rock. Yeah. I think, um, I think there are definitely Southern influences in, in our music. You know, I'm from, I'm from Texas. And so there's a lot of the Texas blues, you know, that influence Southern rock from day one is, is in my playing, you know, I mean, I think you can hear on songs like hitchhiker or crazy days, um, some of the Southern rock, influence for sure so growing up in texas learning to play texas kind of in that scene who did you run across from from the texas blues or rock scene when you were get, getting rolling um alan haynes is my one of my all-time favorite guitarists um i got to jam with him a lot as a kid um he was a hero of mine i learned i learned his records note for note anson funderberg from anson funderberg and the rockets was someone i used to to try and hear every chance i got um you know, there was a there was an insane scene in Dallas that that was very inspiring to me. You want to tell us about your new bass player? Oh yeah, so we met we met Ryan. He's been a fan of the Shakedown for a long time, and uh, I think he first first heard the band on the Kiss crew back in 2013. And he's you know I remember meeting him outside of a club in Indianapolis one time. He was too young to get in, but he was like just standing outside sound check with his guitar so he's been someone that's been coming to shows for a long time and whenever uh, we announced Noah's departure I got a text from Ryan that said hey I've been following the band from since day one and I've been you know, ready to follow it till the last day and, and we thought oh this kid sounds like he needs an audition and <laughs> we asked him to learn three songs and he learned the whole album and you know it was just a, a pretty natural fit from from the jump are you guys like other bands from down there, uh, like fan-friendly band, it seems, and that being an important, important part of the family. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't do what we do without our fans. Um, so we, we, we definitely try to make them feel that we are aware of that. Um, I'm, you know, my favorite thing about playing shows is, is the interaction that we have with our fans. Um, and, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely sort of the driving force behind everything we do. They're the gas in the tank. You've got a pretty. It seems like you have a pretty rabid fan base as well, too, especially from all the light, large shows. So all the, yeah. that emotion, all the stuff you're giving back, I think your audience is getting and pushing back at you too. So you can see that's a really good relationship you got with your fans. Yeah, absolutely. We're very lucky to have have built a very loyal fan base. Well, you, when you have four albums out and all that time you guys spend, it gives you a great opportunity. And, hey, you've got to uh, open some pretty uh, big shows for some pretty substantial rock bands, ACDC, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses. So, that, you know, that's a chance to be in a lot more of a broad audience. Um, what's one of your favorite bands and or experiences you've got to, to open for one of the bands of kind of that caliber? Um, I'd say one of the most memorable experiences for me was our first stadium-sized show with ACDC. It was in Lisbon, Portugal, and, you know, I, I want to say it was like 60 or 70,000 people, um, 
and it was just one of the most magical performances that we've ever had you know the the crowd accepted us from the get-go and and we and we left it all on the stage as we try to do it every show and um yeah i feel very fortunate that we've been able to tour with so many great bands and and be introduced to you know fellow rock and roll lovers heck yeah have you had a chance to like talk to slash angus young any of those kind of guitar heroes yeah pretty much all of them you know when you when you're when you're kind of there as much as we've been there you get to you get to say hi every now and then and you know I, slash and angus young they've all they were all very very cool to me you know it, you know we we try to fly pretty comfortably under the radar when we're on a big tour like that and i think that's honestly part of the reason we get we get asked back other than you know the facts that we show up on time and then we put on rock and we just try to stay out of the way but every now and then you know you get invited into someone's dressing room and that's it's pretty cool you know the first time i got to go say hey to angus he was very kind and slash has always been really cool the first time i met slash he was like oh yeah man i got your cd in my car and i remember <laughs> thinking like, that was pretty rad right i was like i've made it slash has my cd in his car <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> did did those guys ever give you any good advice that you use to this day yeah angus young told me that I was talking to him about how I was I was trying to learn how to get the people in the cheap seats into our show, and he said, "If you believe you'll take them on a journey, then they'll go with you." So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Are you able to? Are you guys thinking about like you know what post pandemic you know for touring, or is that not coming up yet? Um, I think everybody's thinking about it, but I I we don't have clear answers as to what's what's going to happen yet. You know, there's. It seems like things are changing by the day, um, but we're, you know we're definitely looking into when we can get out and play shows again. Right are you guys on, thinking right of on. any like drive-ins? I know Blackberry Smoke's been out doing drive-ins. Marcus King Band, Jason Isbell. Oh yeah, there there have been conversations about doing that. So you know we'll we'll let people know once something is locked in as far as playing goes. We've just been so focused on making this record and and getting that out that uh now we can start looking beyond that nice very good so i mean what can you really tell us about this record to kind of leave with us hey about this new record and kind of where to see you in the future what, what do you want to see from from your fans yeah i just um you know we put everything into this record and it's um you know it's, it's y'all's problem now <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's album a, though this, this record, go out and get it yeah it's a good problem record. to have yeah, it was our way of taking the pressure that we were feeling and, and turning it into something beautiful. Um, and I, I, I hope that it'll offer a, a little rock and roll getaway to, to Shakedown fans. I'm looking forward to the red vinyl that's on the way. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, All right, looking Tyler. forward to Pressure Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, and you guys get that double second part of the double album. There you go. There you go. Well, Tyler, I we can't say enough how grateful we are that you joined us today, and that just means the world to us. So we really, really thank you for that, man. It's been an awesome chat. All Jason, the best. All the best luck in the world, man. I, I hope this record takes the world by storm. It deserves to. You guys are great. Seeing such a young band keeping the hard rock and blues vibe alive, I love it. So keep doing what you guys are doing. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, Take man. care, guys. See ya. Well, that was a fabulous interview that we had with Tyler. 
what uh what are you going to take away from this one jason man um there's a lot to take away from that that was actually a, a super interesting conversation with them that you know that he was very open with his experiences recording everything that's going on and kind of what they learned i think um just I think the recording process and just how tight he is with this band that they just went into ultimately just go in and, and just jam and this this new album just came out of it. There was no intention of really creating an album, but because these guys are so tight and play so well together, they just organically kind of created created all the stuff they needed to do. And it is a killer album for sure. So it just to go in with no expectation and come out with this album the way it is, I'm just impressed. And what about you? you? Oh, you know, the thing that I didn't know that he told us about is that, like, their producer, you know, wanted them to make a double record. Like, these songs are so good. Let's keep going. And Tyler had to say, no, no, I got to pull the reins back on that. Well, they have, um, what, 13 songs, I think, ultimately. They, they, yeah. They had a, not all of them ended up on the album, I don't think. But they just, you know, coming out with 13 songs without really trying to come up with anything, that's, that's crazy. Well, I like just how he talked about, you know, like, you know, certain songs is kind of like showing up unexpectedly. The blues influence, you know, in uh, in Hitchhiker and Misery and, you know, the last song, Coast, and all he talked about, you know, his wife, Rebecca, from Larkin Poe is she's playing some Jun- Junior Kimbrough song on the porch and just taking that influence in and, and you know, you know, you know, creating that song. So just... Just uh, the the creative process in that basement was like you know so impressive to hear about you know when he talked about you know as compared to the the largeness of the previous experience. I thought it was interesting too to hear about his approach to playing bass since they had lost their bass player prior to all this and and kind of both him and some guys from the band had to step it up and really how his guitar playing. Um, goes along with the bass or really what his expe- expectations were so i thought that was kind of kind of neat hey he wanted to keep it very basic just concentrate on the low end to drive along with the drums and you know what it it, it works i think it actually helps make that album that kind of the, the heavier album that we're, we're hearing yeah and like i said it's definitely for me you know it's my favorite record from them so far i mean it flows the best for me, oh, and me too. I, I, I know i'm definitely going to be listening to this thing a lot and you know fitting it in there with all the other things I listen to from, from day to day, you know, it's just so awesome to see. Oh, for sure. I know. think this album too has like the, the most modern sound, but still clearly the influences of old school Southern rock and blues too, at the same point. If that makes, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just, uh, it's just a really, really, really great record. And, you know, I can't wait to further, you know, sink my teeth into it and, you know, also, it was very cool to do, you know, previously I'd done the, you know, before you got on board, I did the Magnolia Bayou, you know, record release episode. So it's great to have you here with me to do this, uh, you know, record release for pressure from Tyler Bright and the Shakedown. So I'm just uh, like a very, very, very grateful that you're here helping me with this. I am grateful to be here and like to come in right off the bat and not really be a podcaster and talk to somebody kind of the caliber of Tyler Bryant and some of these other artists we've spoken to is amazing. So I, I do appreciate you bringing me on board. And uh, it's only going to get better from here, my brother. That's right. Always remember that Southern rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Yeah.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 